to see you guys again. As you know, we've made uh, some tough decisions over the past few weeks, but we believe that was in the best interest of the church. And uh, as you all know, our uh, cases have kind of gone through the roof here in the county, and we're going to take every precaution we can 
Hopefully we won't have to do that again, but we are so thankful we can come back together. We're so thankful that we have the ability to join people at home uh, as you watch from your couch, and we have some in the parking lot as well. And it's just a reminder, um, just to be courteous, we're kind of going back as we did last year. We've kind of spaced things out a little bit more. But just uh, be courteous, courteous of those around you. Um, again, the social distancing, if you feel like you need to wear a mask, please do. And then we encourage you as the service ends, just kind of make your way outside um, as we did last year. And that's just to take some precautions through this time. Just uh, one more announcement. We don't like to do that, but we need to make this announcement. Is just a reminder that our budgets for next year are available in several different tables down the hallway, nominating committee. And then uh, also the deacon vote, all that will take place next Sunday, August the 29th here during our service, at the end of the service. So just make a note of that. If you have any questions about the budget for next year or the nominating committee, please call the church office. We will answer any question that you have, and you can call us at any time. My number's in the bulletin. Feel free to call me if you have any questions concerning that. As that song said, we believe, don't we? We have to believe for it. Our relationship with the Lord begin by faith. We walk by faith day by day, and we put our trust in him day by day. That's where our hope is. That's where our confidence is in, and we have the promises that we cling to every day. And for that reason, we can have joy today, we can have confidence, and we can have peace. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and as we go through our service, just take a minute, just uh, speak to your neighbor as uh, we prepare for worship.
Amen. It's good to see you this morning. I was thinking this morning about all the songs that we've been singing, and it reminded me in Acts 4.12. The scripture says this, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, which by we must be saved. That name is Jesus. What would we do without him this morning? We'd be so lost, wouldn't we? You know, he's the answer to the pandemic that we face tragedies we face, the heartaches we face. He's the answer. So let's go to him in prayer this morning. I want us to pray this morning as we pray for our teachers and our students. Let's bow for prayer. I want us to pray for them as they start their year this coming week. I want us to pray for the people in Afghanistan and all the tragedy that is happening there. I want us to pray for Donald Brown this morning as he's in the hospital. Some of you may know him as Duck Brown. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before your throne, and we're glad that you're a good, good father. And God, there's none one like you. There's none beside you. You're God alone, and you're the only hope that we have. Lord, I pray as we're going through COVID again, I pray for safety, for protection, for healing, and for wisdom. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've helped us through so far. Lord, you've never forsaken us. You've never left us. And Lord, there's no name like you. Help us to turn to you during this time. And Father, we want to pray for our teachers and our staff and faculty and our counties as we start schools in North Carolina. Father, we pray for their, Lord, their safety too. And Lord, we pray you'd give them wisdom and what to do and the steps that they need to take. Bless the children. Help them. And Father, we pray for the people in Afghanistan. Lord, around the world where they're suffering, Lord, the tragedy of the hands of evil, we pray you deliver them, and we pray that our people would be able to come home. And Father, we want to pray this morning, Lord, for Doug Brown. I pray you'd be with him, be with his family, and Lord, bring help and healing. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 23, and as you're turning there, I just want to reiterate some things that Kevin said about the business meeting, number one, at the end of the service next uh, Sunday. I don't think our business meeting will have three things to vote on. It'll probably take us about five minutes to do that or less. Um, if you have any questions, you can contact myself. Of course, Kevin's number's in the book. I think the only questions anybody ever has really is over the, uh, the budget, but it's about the same as it was last year. Thank you. Thank you all for being so faithful to give. Um, people ask me all the time, why, why don't I preach on giving? I said, our church gives, so why would I preach on something they're already doing? But uh, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. If you'll stand with me, we're going to read the whole psalm, all six verses. But I'm going to talk about this morning just the first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. Thinking about this thought, who is your shepherd? Based on where your life is right now, are you following your shepherd? Look at your life the last five years. Where are you in your life spiritually? Not physically, but where are you in your life spiritually right now as compared to five years ago? Have you been following your shepherd? We have a great shepherd. It's amazing to me that David was a shepherd, the most famous shepherd in Israel, yet he gives his perspective from the, the view of a sheep. Notice what he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Five words that can change your eternal destiny. And not only change your life eternally, but change your life now. Everything that David mentions with the shepherd is good. Everything is good. So I pray today that the Lord will bless your heart as we look at this thought, the Lord is my shepherd. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Lord, this psalm is... So well known, most of us in here probably have it memorized. I've shared this psalm in hundreds of funerals, and it's brought peace and comfort to people's hearts. And I pray, Father, that just being familiar with it, we wouldn't overlook it. Because, Lord, you're the great shepherd. Peter called you the chief shepherd. And you're coming back for your people. You're coming back for your sheep. So, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today in this auditorium or at home or wherever they are, that, Lord, if if they have never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be that day. And then, Lord, for the, for the rest of us, all we like sheep go astray. It's not the shepherd's fault. We are where we are. James says, draw near to the Lord, and he'll draw near to us. I pray that we're following our shepherd. And then, Father, I pray that we trust you wherever you take us, wherever you lead us, Lord. 
whatever place we're in, if we're following our shepherd, that's your will for our lives. And then, Father, we should all worship our shepherd. There's no one like you. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The angels are singing your praises now as I speak. And, Lord, I pray that we'd give you our undivided attention, Father, and speak to our hearts and help us today. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. Maybe see Steve Farrar said about Psalm 23, he said this, it's a cliff note for the entire Christian life. And the theme of this psalm is this very, these very first five words. Everything that comes after the word shepherd is dependent upon the fact that he is your shepherd. So if Jesus is our shepherd, that makes us what? You're a sheep. Congratulations. You're a sheep. Notice what Jesus said about sheep. He, he mentions this a lot, if you'll notice, in Matthew. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. At the end of time, Jesus likens it to this way. He says he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He calls you a sheep. He calls me a sheep over 200 times in the Bible. God refers to his children as sheep. What are some characteristics of sheep? Think about this for a moment. You'll notice three characteristics. Sheep are stupid. They're very stupid. Think about this. Have you ever been to a circus? You can see tamed seals, tamed horses, tamed lions, tamed monkeys, tamed elephants, never tamed sheep because sheep are stupid. Over 200 times in the Bible, he calls us sheep. And if you're saved, you're a sheep. And guess what? You're stupid. <laughs> you are. Have you ever done this in your life as a, as a born-again Christian? I wish I wouldn't have. Why did I say that? Have you ever done that? Why did I? Listen, why did I say that? You know why you said it? Because you're stupid. That's why you said it. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? How did I end up here? How, how did this happen? I'll tell you why. Because God looks at us as not very smart. Aren't you thankful you have an all-wise knowing shepherd? When you don't know what to do in your life, he does. When you don't know which road to take in your life, he does. Because he is your shepherd. But don't misunderstand the analogy that God makes. All we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep are not very smart. I, I, I was reading when I was studying about the ignorance of sheep as an animal. And uh, in eastern Turkey, I believe it was, there was this flock of sheep, about 1,500 sheep. And according to the newspaper article, the shepherds were far way off eating. And one of the sheep just gets up. 1,500 sheep. Just starts walking. Guess what? The next sheep gets up and starts following him. The next sheep gets up and starts following that sheep. The next 1,500 sheep walking. Look, off the cliff. Guess what? They all kept following. 400 of them died. And the, only, the 1,100 that lived, the newspaper article said, true story, is because they fell on the other sheep. Sheep are stupid. They are. And you know what you are? You're a sheep. You know what I am? I'm a sheep. That's why I need a shepherd. That's why I need this book right here, because this book uh, is the guideline to our life. Sheep, we are. God does not take this lightly. We need somebody beyond ourselves. Sheep are also dirty. I heard one, one pastor, Sharon, in his commentary, he said, there's not a lot of rainfall in Israel. It's not always lush and green everywhere. And he said, sheep are so dirty. He said, they can't clean themselves. They're not like a cat. They can't clean themselves. They have all this stuff in their wool and in their fur. They can't take a bath. 
He says they're filthy. He says maggots can form in the coats of a, of a sheep and the only help that they get is from a shepherd. There's not a thing they can do to clean themselves at all. And I would say this to you. Before you're born again, you're dirty. You can't clean yourself. You can't do it. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Martin Luther tried that. Martin Luther thought his works could save him. He did penance. They said Martin Luther would confess sin all day long because he just wanted to be saved, just wanted to make sure he was saved. They said he'd wake up in the night and remember his sin, then he would confess it. And then he started reading very slowly and studying through Galatians and Romans. And he came up with this, the just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the finished work of the resurrected Christ. When he realized he was dirty and that he couldn't clean himself, he became born again. You are dirty. The Bible says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, and not only that, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God speaking through Isaiah says this, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. I like the old hymn that was written about 13 years after the Civil War. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? John in Revelation witnessing the great multitude in heaven which no man could number. From every nation, from all tribes, people and languages, standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed in white robes, St. John is asked, Who are these clothed in white robes? Where did they come? And this is the answer. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Do you realize you can't clean yourself? And then even after you're saved, you know who's the only person who can clean your conscience? That's the Lord, our great shepherd. The writer of Hebrews says this when talk, comparing Jesus to the temple and the tabernacle and every, every little piece of, of furniture and, and thing used in the, in the temple was a picture of Christ. And the writer of Hebrews says this, after speaking about that, he says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, because he's clean, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You can't clean your conscience. can't do it. How many people live in guilt every day because of the sins that they've committed or their past? You know, one thing I realized when I was lost and 20 years old is I could not cleanse myself. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. I could stop doing certain things. I could reform my life to a point, but I could not cleanse my soul. That's the real you, that, that part right there that only God can touch and only the blood of Christ can cleanse. See, we're dirty people. Very dirty. As a matter of fact, if it weren't for the blood of Jesus, you have no hope. You will stand one day before God as a Christian in his righteousness, nothing of your own. All our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, he says. Filth lepers rags. But thank God for our great, great shepherd. One famous psychiatrist told Billy Graham one time, he said that in his opinion, 70% of all people in mental institutions could be released immediately if they could find forgiveness of their sins and a release from their guilt as hits their conscience. And the only thing that can help us is our shepherd. Jesus' death forgives our past, present, and future sins, why would you not want Jesus as your shepherd? Why would you not want? If sheep, if sheep are, are ignorant and if sheep are dirty, why would we not want a shepherd? And not, the third thing is this, sheep are defenseless. 
One wildlife person said it's amazing that almost all animals, God has given some type of defensive mechanism. Skunks, we know what that is. Some animals change colors, don't they? Well, a lion or a tiger or a bear, they're predators. They don't need much help, do they? And a cat's a cat. Who wants to be around them? Nobody. But sheep have nothing. They're defenseless. You know, really, against the, against the trials of life, besides the ones you commit, you're defenseless. You're def- That's why the Bible says God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of need. David, King David, was, as we, as we mentioned in the first message in this series, he was Israel's greatest warrior. But King David got to the point in his life where life hit him so hard, he says, you're my rock. You're my only hope. I feel like life, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm drowning in this flood because he was defenseless. He understood that. You're, you're defenseless against the worst things in life, but you know what God says? Do not fear. God does not want you living in fear. Over 200 times in the Bible, he says, do not fear. The writer of Isaiah says this to the children of Israel when they were in bondage. He says, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Our shepherd is stronger, wiser, more powerful than us. Jesus in John 10, and you can go ahead and turn there if you want to, or you don't have to. I'll read the verses for you. He said this, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you're not of my Father, because you're not of my sheep as I have told you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Did you hear what he said? We're going to talk about this in just a moment. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. There's a vast distinction between people, Jesus is saying. And I give them, not everybody, I give them, my sheep, eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You're defenseless, but not with your shepherd. He is more powerful, more stronger, and he has you in the palm of his hands. So you are a sheep. But this, point number two is this, according to Psalm 23 and John 10, Jesus is our shepherd. In John John 10, Jesus says this. He talks about how he is the good shepherd. Notice the verse on the screen where Jesus talks about the good shepherd. He says, "To, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus is the good shepherd. One person put it this way, that word good, when Jesus says he's the good shepherd in in John 10, 7, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. And I have come that they, talking about his sheep, may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. And then verse 11, he says this, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Think about this. Jesus said he was the good shepherd. What he's saying here is this. I am the shepherd that the Bible's talked about. That word good means inherently good, holy. Jesus is saying, I am above all others. It's amazing how this shepherd analogy is used throughout the Old Testament. Moses, when he was about to die, asked God to provide a leader who said, who shall go out before them and come in before them. They need a shepherd. Over and over again, David is called a shepherd. 
Over and over again, Jeremiah uses this thought of a shepherd whenever he says in Jeremiah 23, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Jeremiah would literally tell Israel that you are, you are being put in bondage because you have bad shepherds who do not believe the Lord. First Kings, the prophet Micah speaks of the death of Ahab as the scattering of the people of Israel as a sheep who have no shepherd. God told David, he said, you shall be the shepherd of my people. Isaiah, Amos, Zephaniah, Micah, Zechariah, almost all the prophets use this shepherd theme in similar ways. And then Jesus comes in John 10 and tells the Jewish people, I'm the good shepherd. I'm him. Basically what he's saying is, I am God in flesh. He was not just another shepherd. He is the shepherd, the good one, the one who is preeminently excellent. He's above all shepherds. He is the shepherd that has been prophesied about. The shepherd takes total responsibility for his sheep. Notice the things that the shepherd does for his sheep, according to John chapter 10. The first one is this. He dies or gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Isaiah 53, 7 says this. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The good shepherd poured out his soul for the sheep. In verse 18, Jesus made this clear of John 10. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down and to take it again freely, voluntarily. Jesus gave up his life for the sheep. The shepherd that loves you so much, who is all-wise and all-powerful, gave his life for you. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 1, 21, the angel says this about Mary's baby. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. And not only does Jesus lay down his life for the sheep, but he owns the sheep. In verse 12, he says, The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. The good shepherd owns the sheep. You have been bought, the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul said to the church at Corinth, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He's, act, he's asking them a question. And I'd ask you the same question. Do you not know that you're, if you're a born-again Christian, that your body is a temple of of the Holy Spirit. You have church every day whether you realize it or not. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he asked these Corinthians because they were living in a carnal way, in a sexual manner by the way, he says, do you not know that you are, everywhere you go, you take the Holy Spirit with you. He says this, Paul tells the men, especially at Corinth, he says, when you go visit the temple prostitutes, do you not realize you become one with her and you take the Holy Spirit with you? That's what he's saying there. Do you not realize that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not realize that? You're taking Jesus wherever you go. Do you not realize that? And then he goes on to make this statement. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Your, Jesus owns his sheep. Peter says it this way, you are bought with a price for you not redeemed with God, by God with silver, precious stones, none of those things, but you're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. So what was the price that he paid? He paid his life. And what should you do? You should glorify God with your body. Not only does Jesus die for the sheep and own the sheep, but Jesus cares for the sheep. Verse 13, Jesus says the hireling, he's going to run away because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep, but I care for my sheep. That's why Jesus reiterates this thought over and over again. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Peter put it this way. He said, 
casting all your care or anxiety on him, talking about our shepherd, because he cares for you. You've ever got to the point that you just give your stuff to Jesus? That word casting upon that Peter used there is in the Aorus tense, which uh, one scholar says it, it denotes an act once and for all, throwing the whole life with his care on Jesus. And Peter probably quoted from Psalm 55, which says this, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken because he cares for you. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, If he, if he takes care of the lilies of the field, do you not think he'll clothe you? If he feeds the birds of the air, do you not think he will feed you if you're his sheep? Of course he will. Paul kept on reiterating to the church of Philippi, My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Why? Because Jesus cares for you. Do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus? Are you, have you come to the point to where you just say, God, I can't do anything about this, and I give it to you. And you live this life where you're worry-free because you give it to Jesus and you trust your shepherd more than yourself. If you hadn't got to that point in your life, you're going to have a hard time. See, the word Peter used back in those days, too, was not just care. It was anxiety. It means to worry, to worry, to fret over. And Peter's audience was scattered all over, had, really had no rights. It would almost be like not on, the, on that level, but think about some of the Christians in Afghanistan right now. Everywhere people, Peter's readers went, they were looked on it that way. And then eventually persecution came and Peter says, listen, you got anxiety over that? Give it to your shepherd. Give it to your shepherd. Give your Monday to your shepherd. And not only does he care for the sheep, but he knows the sheep and they know him. This is the important part. Verse 14, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? You know, in Matthew 7, he says a lot of people are going to say, do we not cast out demons? Do we not preach in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. So you know all about Jesus and Jesus not know you. Does Jesus know you? A lot of people know about Jesus. Last week we looked at those three aspects of faith. Knowledge, you got to have a certain knowledge, you got to assent to that. That still doesn't save a person. You knowing about Jesus, but have you placed your trust in Jesus? And if so, Jesus knows you. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's very simple. Jesus says this, I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. The word know in the Greek means to know experientially. It's like where the Bible says here, Cain knew his wife and she bore a child. The word know. In Amos 3, 2, uh, God says through Amos, Israel only have I known. And then in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Depart from me, I never knew you. I'm not your shepherd. Now think about this for a minute. Does God know you? Have you ever thought you had a relationship with somebody and you didn't? Well, I have. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I used to be bad to name drop. I don't do that anymore much. But I remember, I've shared this with some of y'all before, but uh, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, I went to a pastor's conference in Greensboro, and a buddy of mine who's a preacher, another friend of mine, he said, hey, I know this person. He's a NASCAR driver. He says, we'll just spend a night at his house. He's racing in Miami. His wife won't care. I said, okay, fine with me. So we go to this guy's house, NASCAR driver. He won the points championship because he had a trophy in there, and I carried it around the room. Don't tell him I did that, but I did. Y'all know who I am. So we're in his house, this whole house, right? This whole house, this NASCAR driver. And his, his wife contacts my buddy and says, hey, so-and-so is flying in from Miami tonight. I think that was the last race of the year. He wants to talk to you guys before you go to your conference. Fine, 
Good. So we're meeting this NASCAR guy. Guys, you see, he's on TV now. He's a commentator, right? I forgot my belt. I said, hey, brother, we don't know each other that well, but you got a belt I can wear? And he says, yeah, I wear a size 28. I said, I wore that in the 10th grade. So I can't wear that, your belt, all right, little fella. But um, we talked to him. His wife says, uh, when the conference is over, come back. I got some pie I want you to eat. Okay. So we got there to this preaching conference. Nobody used the Bible. We all left. I said, I'm out of here. I'm not listening to these guys. So we go back to that house, and we're, we're just talking for 30 minutes to an hour. Okay. Scott, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was telling everybody that I was friends with these people. Man, they, man they're awesome. You know, we're, we're good friends. Scotty had a fundraiser in Charlotte at a hotel, right? She says, I'm going to put so-and-so at your table right beside you. I said, yes. All right. So we're sitting there, and of course, this lady's late because her husband couldn't make it because of sponsors. She sat down, and she introduced herself. She looked at me and said, my name's so-and-so. What's yours? Are you kidding me? I thought we were friends, right? She didn't know me from Adam. She forgot me. I thought we had this relationship, but we didn't. The sad part is a lot of people are going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to say, I'm Jesus. Who are you? Does Jesus know you? Are you a name dropper? Yeah, I go to East Hazel Baptist Church. Yeah, I quote two of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, me and Jesus are like that. No, you're not. Do you worship the living God or not? Have you ever placed your faith and trust in Him? Jesus said this, that one day He's going to call, He says this, I told you and you do not believe that the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep, as I have said to you. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I will give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and my Father are one. Does Jesus know you? Jesus knows his sheep. I heard one scholar say that like in Israel, even to this day when you go to a well, all the sheep just intermingle. They just, they're just sheep, right? They all intermingle, hundreds of sheep. And then the shepherd of his sheep will call him out. He has a special call, and all his sheep will follow him like that. All his sheep will follow him just like that in an instant. It's amazing. They said to see that. Because they know the voice of their shepherd. They know the voice of their shepherd. One day, Jesus is coming back with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. The dead in Christ will rise first, and only his sheep are moving. Only his sheep are moving. Are you a sheep? Is Jesus your shepherd? That's all that matters. Jesus does not mince words. I like in John 17, 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom they have sent. Jeremiah said this, This is what the Lord says, Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord. Friends, one day he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep from the goats. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So the final thought here is this. Who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? I know who my shepherd is. I was 20 years old when I placed my faith and trust in Jesus and I placed my faith and trust in Jesus this morning and I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus right now. Who is your shepherd? Look, if Jesus is my shepherd, notice this, these three things, I'll trust him. I will trust him. 
I will trust him with my marriage. I will trust him with my finances. I will trust him with my soul. I will trust him. I will trust him. Notice, notice the second thing. I would follow him if Jesus is, a, is the good shepherd. I would follow him. Think about your life right now. Where are you headed and why are you headed that way? Where are you headed and why? Where are you going? You know, God's got a plan for your life. Follow your shepherd. I'm so thankful I made a decision back when I was about 22 to follow Jesus. Not to be saved, but to follow Jesus. And I said, Jesus, whatever that looks like for you, that's where I'll end up. And I'm so thankful his plan for his life was way better than mine. Because I'm a sheep and I am very, very stupid. But I'm thankful I have a great shepherd. And then this is what I would do. And this is, nobody can do this for you. I would worship him and worship him. Read Revelation 4 and 5 and, and listen to what the angels are doing right now. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive honor and glory and power. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. The Lord is my shepherd. So life-changing. Father, if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, in the resurrected shepherd, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, nothing is more important than placing our faith and trust in you. And Father, you alone can save. And Father, for those of us that, that are your sheep, Lord, forgive us for going astray at times. It happens. But I'm so thankful that you're our shepherd, and Lord, you'll leave the 99 to go get the one. We're so thankful for that. Lord, help us to trust you. Lord, help us to follow you to green pastures and beside the still water. And that way we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever where we will worship you. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, as we talked about our bodies, I pray that we glorify God in our bodies. And Lord, give our lives to you and our futures to you. Lord, it's our reasonable act of worship, Paul says. Father, we thank you for Psalm 23 and those five little words that are so life-changing. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you so much. Our plan is to next week have church just like this. Please, when you dismiss, be courteous of other people's space, be courteous of their time, and uh, everybody stay safe out there. Thank you. We want to thank you for taking time to join us online today. Our hope and prayer is that Jesus is glorified and that you are challenged and encouraged through worship and God's Word. Today, if you made a decision to place your faith and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you still want to know more about what it really means to follow Jesus, please feel free to contact us through the week. We would love to be able to share with you more about the hope that is only found in Christ. If you're not already a regular part of another church family, we invite you to join us here on campus each week for Sunday school and worship on Sunday morning. Finally, if you would like more information about our church, or maybe you feel led to support the ongoing ministry and mission efforts of East Taylorsville, please feel free to visit our website at easttaylorsville.com. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have a great week.